0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We have so much to be thankful for, guys. Like I say, our kids, the Lord is just rocking their lives. And and, uh, I mean, you know, God is doing great things. There's a stirring in the body of Christ, and, and uh, I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing. And, and, um, and, you know, I believe the body of Christ in the U.S. is being stirred. How many, how many of you feel a shaking and an awakening going on within yourself? And I, I believe it's happening throughout the body of Christ. I love today. Today also, I love that today is, it's, all, it's been known as Emancipation Day for so long, commemorating the day that Union troops told slaves in Galveston they were free at the end of the Civil War. How many of you are thankful for freedom? I have you know that we serve a God of freedom and we're a part of a different kingdom. And we know that true freedom and liberty is found in Jesus. And our job is to bring that kingdom to earth. It flows through you and me. So spread the freedom. Amen? Spread the freedom. God is doing great things. Guys, uh, if if you're new to Harvest, we're just a family of Christ followers. The Lord has brought us together, and we have found that we are stronger together than we are individually. And so we've chosen to link arms and accomplish God's purposes in the world together. And as I said, we, we gather together in community groups throughout the week, but we love Sundays when we come together and worship the Lord corporately. We're just a small expression of the body of Christ. Amen? We're just a small expression of the body, and we love God. We love our Father, and we want to be just like Him, so we choose just like Him to love people and to serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're part of the Harvest family, what's our vision? To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through what? Through community, discipleship, and outreach. As for a while, we have been discussing the identity and the responsibility of those in the family of God. Christ followers, those who have repented, turned from their old life, surrendered to the lordship of Jesus and made him lord of their life. Now, as I just mentioned, uh, one of the biggest priorities that we have here at Harvest that we stress is community. The community of the body of Christ. How many of you know that we were created to be loved by God? How many of you are thankful for that? You recognize that's why you were were created for relationship. You were created to be loved by our Heavenly Father. Man, that should give you some security. When you feel insecurity, just stop and think about why you were made. I was made to be loved by Father. And guys, when we think about the fact that we were created for relationship, I mean, you know, that bleeds over into our physical earthly life. And we've got to talk about our relationships Because we were created to have a relationship with one another. We weren't ever created to be isolated or alone. And most of us come to a point in our life where we desire a relationship with a significant other. Right? And we begin to pursue those relationships and marriage and stuff. But how many of you know the Bible has a lot to say on these matters? And we started a few weeks ago a series we've been calling Relationship Goals. And we talked to single folks. And and last week we we, uh, we really continued uh, to talk about relationships. But guys... I hope that all of you have goals in some form or fashion in your life. I hope, that you have, I hope that you have some financial goals. I hope that you have some family goals. I hope that you have some spiritual goals. I hope that you have some physical, some health goals. And I hope that you have relationship goals in your life. I hope that you're seeking to honor God with your relationships. Now, we went last week, we, we looked and at, at Instagram. What's the hashtag? Relationship goals. We looked at that. I told you last week I did a search on, on Instagram and found that, that last week it showed there was 22.5 million posts that had hashtag relationship goals by them. And we talked about those a little bit, right? And some of y'all put some posts up this week, some, some funny stuff, and, and you put that hashtag on there. I saw it. Y'all are hilarious. So funny. So funny. Yes, I did put one on yours. Zach and Angie. I was like, oh, oh relationship goals. <laughs> I want to be like Zach and Angie because they have a perfect marriage in life. No. I'm just... Guys, I pulled up a few more Instagram photos. Want to see some more relationship goals? Here we go. Here we go. Check it out. It, it's got to be on the beach. Half of them are on the beach. I mean, seriously. What's the deal with the beach? These dreamy photos. Relationship goals. Here's the next one. Not the beach, right? Right? I wish to live for it. Oh, gosh. I wish to live forever together and continue to create. Memory. Thank you, my queen, for all the gifts you give me. Isn't that sweet? Blah. Next one. Now, I really just kind of liked this one. I saw this. and I really just kind of liked it because I saw it was in Transylvania. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Yes. You dance secretly in my heart where no one else can see. I, I just thought it was cool. It was in Transylvania. Next one. Um, Allowing you to love me has been one of the best things I ever trusted to happen. Woo! Awesome. My favorite is the last one. Happy anniversary, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Yeah. 26 years. Relationship goals. I'm going to be like Snoop Dogg. Come on. All right, take that down. Guys, if you have goals in your relationships, I hope they're good and they're meaningful goals. I hope they're not based on what you see on Instagram. We talked about this last week. We don't want the normal that we see in society. We don't want the normal that we see on Instagram or Facebook. Because we talked about this last week. All these things we see on social media, the way a relationship should be, what we all want to be like. It's carefully posed and edited, and they, we, they allow us to see exactly what they want us to see. But behind it, we know that there is hurt, and there's fear, and there's insecurities, and there's divorce, and there's bitterness, and all these things behind those photos that are so carefully crafted and edited. Guys, we don't want normal. You don't want normal, right? We want something different. We got to have goals. Last week we talked about how our relationships must have Jesus at the center. And I told you to start by simply making, how how do we put Jesus at the center? I gave you one thing last week. The thing I told you was, act like he's there. The Bible says in your marriage, you're a three-strand cord. Your marriage, it's you, it's Jesus, and it's your spouse. We all were searching, I'm searching for the one. I think I found the one. No, Jesus is the one. Whether you're single or whether you're married, Jesus is your one. If you do get married, they're your two. Right? But Jesus is the one. And so we need to act like he's really there in a part of our relationship, just like we do our spouse. We need to include him in everyday affairs and everything that's going on. We need to seek him and get his counsel and get his input. We need to act like he's there. Because he is. Today... I told you this last week, we're going to talk about being kingdom-minded and mission-driven in our relationships. Kingdom-minded and mission-driven, and, and this is a big step, it's very important, because really, it's all, about, it's all about your identity, regardless of your relational status. It's all about your identity. Guys, identity is everything, it's everything, knowing who we are. Now, Sean and I, over the years, we've, we've done a lot of premarital counseling, and It's so cute when these couples walk in for premarital counseling, all lovey-dovey, you know, got each other's arms holding tight, cutting off blood circulation, sit down on the couch, all like sitting like on top of each other, hands all over each other, smiling, hearts floating around in the air. I mean, it's like so cute, so cute, so cute, so cute. We like to make sure that couples are really ready and prepared for a God-honoring covenant in marriage. And so we like to pose questions sometimes. I like, I, we love to pose questions and get them squirming sometimes. Like, it's like, did, did they just ask that? What? Get them, all, get them all squirming, wondering what's going on. Get them, bring them to the place, ask questions. We love bringing them to the place where they disagree. It's awesome. <laughs> they look at each other like, did she just say that? And they're just looking at each other and because that's real life. It's for real. We can be lovey-dovey and all on each other and touching and smiling and all this stuff all day long, but we need to get to the heart of the matter, right? But there's a question that I was thinking that I want to ask couples from here on out as we go forward in marriage counseling and stuff. I want to ask couples, are you really ready for this? Why do you want to get married? Why do you think you're supposed to get married? Why? Why are you supposed to get married and see what they say? Now, I know from other questions I've asked married couples in the past, here's what normally would happen. Normally, they would be wide-eyed, like, oh. And then they would look at each other. Uh. And then she would say, you go first. And he'd be like, ladies first. And and she'd be like, no, you're the man. You go first. And and then finally, one of them, one's usually like the spokesman, one of them would finally speak up and go, uh. Why do you think you're supposed to be married? Because we love each other. Because... Because he makes me happy, it's always ended like with a question. It'd be ended with like a question mark. Uh, because when I'm with her, every love song on the radio makes sense. <laughs> because we'll be happy together. Like, is that the right answer? Why do you think you're supposed to get married? Why? I guarantee you, most cannot answer that question well. Because here's the reality. A godly marriage is not based on happiness. If it was, most marriages wouldn't last long at all. Because you are not always happy. Right? If your marriage is based on happiness, and that's the foundation, and the day comes along that you stub your toe and you're not happy, the whole foundation gets ripped out from under you and what you got left. You can't base it on happiness. The foundation of a godly marriage is not happiness. I'm going to suggest to you today, this is what it's going to be about, and I love even what Zach said a few minutes ago. It's about unity. It's about unity. Now, happiness can be the byproduct of a unified marriage, but we don't get married to get happy. Marriage is not remotely about attaining happiness. It can be the byproduct, but it's not why we get married. We must be unified around something bigger than ourselves. Happiness comes and goes. we got to be unified around something that's much bigger than ourselves. And that's what I want to talk about. We've got to be unified in mind and in mission. Kingdom-minded, mission-driven. So I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 1. And if you've got a Bible, you can turn to it and You can do it on your mobile device. The notes are also on the UVersion Bible app. You can go to it and you can hit more and events. And if you have location services turned on, the notes will pop up on your phone or, or mobile device. But um, I'm just going to jump right in. Genesis 1, 27 through 28, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of man, I mean, I'm sorry, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, what did he say? Go do your own thing. Follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. It's not what he said. It's not what he said, is it? He blessed them. He brings them together. He blesses them. And God says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, it's very interesting that the very first thing that God says to the very first couple is, here is your mission. Should you choose to accept it. Here is your mission. He says, I want you to go, what do you say there? I want you to multiply the human race. I want you to subdue the earth. You know what, subdue the earth, I I, I forgot what version that was. I looked it up in. The different version says, take charge and be responsible for the earth. That sounds like a job to me. So just picture it. Adam and Eve are before God. They basically say, I do. He says, awesome, here's your mission. That's the way it started. He gave them a job immediately. This is the first thing he says. He didn't say, now go frolic and be happy and do your own thing, nope. He said, it's time to get to work. You got a job to do. The very first thing that God says, the very first, and think about this. The very first thing that God says to the very first couple is, here's your mission What was the last thing Jesus said when he left the earth? He said, here is your mission, right? He said, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. Make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do all the things that I commanded you, right? You have a mission. Regardless of your relationship status, you have a mission. You must be kingdom-minded and mission-driven every day of your life. Why should you get married? It has nothing to do with happiness. You should get married when you come to the place of recognizing that you are more effective for God together than you are individually. You're ready to get married when you recognize that the two of you are more effective in service for the Lord together than you are individually by yourself. Genesis chapter 2 in verse 24, it says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two become what? United into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. It says here in marriage, the two are united into one. What did we talk about last week? What does God want to do? God wants to unite. The problem is, if God seeks to unite, what does the enemy seek to do? Divide. Divide. We talked about that for a minute last week. What matters to God, the enemy always hates. What God tries to unify, the enemy's gonna try to divide. Guys, you see it all the time. You see within, the, I know people come to church and they get all surprised because they have a little bit of a relationship conflict with somebody. Well, of course, we're the body of Christ. We're supposed to be walking together in unity, but we're people, and the enemy's gonna try to bring division, right? Well that shouldn't happen in the church. I should never disagree with somebody in the church. Really? Really? Of course we are. The enemy is going to try to bring division, but we don't allow it. We don't make room for it. We stand in unity, right? In marriage, the two are united into one. What does God do? God wants to unite, but the enemy wants to divide. What matters to God? The devil hates. Now you guys know the story, the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, God creates them. He gives them this mission. They're happy. They're blessed. They're prospering in every way. They're content. They're fulfilled. They're satisfied. They're in love. They're in paradise, naked and unafraid. What more could you ask for? Everything was perfect in every way for them, right? How much better could it get? And then the enemy comes in the form of a serpent, right? And, you know, you look at this, again, the enemy wants to sever their relationship with God. He wants to bring division between them and God. He wants to distract them from their mission. He wants to destroy unity. So, you know what I noticed, the very first thing I noticed the serpent does? He separates Eve from Adam. He brings her apart. He draws her away from Adam. And he says... Did God really say that you shouldn't eat, you couldn't eat of the fruit of this tree? Right? The first thing he does is is separate Eve from Adam and then question the word of God. That's division, right? And then the serpent presents her with this pleasing fruit and says, Doesn't this look good? This thing that you don't have, this is what's going to bring you happiness and satisfaction and contentment. You need this. And she sees it looks awfully good. And what does she do? She takes it, right? Takes a bite. And she runs over to her husband and says, this is amazing. You've got to try it. And Adam, knowing full well what he was doing, he took the fruit and he took a bite as well, right? And the Bible says that in that moment, their eyes were suddenly opened. And we know that sin entered the world. And it was now that they recognized they were naked, right? What in the world was naked? Nobody knew what naked was. Somebody came in clothed, they would have been super weird. Like, what's wrong with you, right? Nobody even knew what that was. What does naked mean? Suddenly, they're full of shame, and they're trying to, they weren't trying to cover their nakedness. They were covering their shame because of what they had done. So God comes in on the scene and says, what have you done? And what is the first thing Adam does? He blames Eve and he blames God. Well, that woman that you gave me, you gave me, she gave me the fruit to eat. And then what does Eve do? Well, that serpent who can't. Do you see the division expanding very quickly? Within moments, the division is multiplying as they're playing the blame game among each other. And it took off from there. The Bible says that the two become one flesh, and it's a work that only God can do. God unites, and the enemy tries to, tries to stop whatever God does. He hates whatever God does. So if God tries to unite, the enemy is going to try to divide. But we must have unity in mission. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on direction? You need to ask yourself. You need to, you, in your marriage, you need to say, do we, are we walking together in agreement? God has a mission for us. We've got to be in unity. I mean, if I say I'm going this way and Shauna says she's going that way, are we going to get to our destination? Not likely. We have to walk together in unity. The word division, the, the, the D-I is actually a prefix and it just simply means two, right? And then vision is referring to mission or direction. It just simply means two different directions. Not unified. So how do we get somewhere with no vision? How do we please God with two different visions? Well, Proverbs says where there's no vision, the people perish, right? And this can be applied to our marriages as well. Where there's no unity in mission, in marriage, you will find yourself struggling. I do my own thing and you do your own thing. Guys, God wants to unite and the enemy wants to divide. That doesn't sound like God. One of the greatest tragedies in the Bible, one of the greatest tragedies in marriage is when a couple's not walking in unity together. Trust me, we saw it working in youth ministry for so many years, for a couple of decades. Families, couples that did not stand in agreement in raising the kids. And that usually is disastrous. In our marriages, we've got to be united. We have to be a united front. Now, there are a lot of interesting couples in the Bible that, you know, we can look at. And obviously, we just looked at Adam and Eve. But, but when you think about other couples in the Bible, you think about uh, Ruth and Boaz, or you think about Rachel and Jacob, or, or um, I don't know, Mary and Joseph, or whoever else, or, or um, actually Solomon. You know Solomon had 700 wives? Help us, for real. Could you, uh, number one, can you imagine seven? I know, I know he's wealthy, but 700 weddings and 700 wives. How do you even keep up with their name? He had to have a wife manager, or somebody who's, <laughs> name tags, hello, my name is. His Facebook relationship status had to always say it's complicated, always. <laughs> but one of my favorite couples in the Bible is one that, Some of you actually may not have heard of because they're only mentioned six times in Scripture. But the cool thing about this couple is they're never mentioned separately. One spouse is never mentioned without the other. You always hear them talked about together. And they were strong, and I believe that's because they were Christ-centered. And I believe it's because they were kingdom-minded and they were mission-driven. I believe that's what made them so strong. Their names were... Priscilla and Aquila. You know, that kind of sounds like two girl names, but it's not. Aquila was a guy, okay? Aquila was a male. And actually, what a cool name. It sounds like a celebrity name. Priscilla and Aquila. Proquila. I, I, I don't know. Per, what, whatever. Priscilla and Aquila are like this model in the Bible. And when you look at it, Actually, actually, they, they, it's believed that Paul led, led them to Jesus probably during his couple of years in Corinth. And oh, and they were tent makers, just like Paul. You know, Paul's trade was tent making, and, and they were they were tent makers as well. But when you look at, actually go to in, in Romans 16, Romans 16, verse 3, Paul is talking here. in in this letter, and he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. It says in verse 4, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are so grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. What do we know about this couple, Priscilla and Aquila? Well, we know that together that they supported Paul's ministry. We know that at some point they risked their lives for Paul. We know that They were community group leaders because it says greet greet the church, the folks that meet in their home, that meet together. Obviously, Paul had been there. He'd been there a part of that before. They were united. They were Christ-centered, and they were united in mission, and they were always mentioned together. I love that. I think it's a great picture for us. Priscilla and Aquila. Guys, God wants to unite you to do something significant with your spouse something significant for his glory now like I say a couple weeks ago we talked about we talked more to the single folks you may be single here today and you might think well none of this really applies to me no it really really does it really does we talked about this a little bit last week we talked about the idea that if you want one day if you want a Christ-centered marriage one day you better start living a Christ-centered life today if you, want, if you want a marriage that's, that, that's Christ-centered, if you want one that is, that is God-honoring, if you want one that's mission-driven, then you better start living a God-honoring, mission-driven life today, where you're at, before you're ever married. Because you're not waiting on a spouse to complete you. Only one person can complete you, and that's Jesus. Your greatest goal at any point in your life should not be to get married. Your greatest goal is to live a life that honors God. That's our focus. That's what we're looking toward all the time. And look, and as you're living this life, you're walking this life, you're living this life that honors God, if he brings somebody alongside you, praise him. Awesome. But even if somebody doesn't come alongside, you are complete in him and you can live a life with purpose that glorifies him and you can accomplish everything he created you to do. Everything. So you don't wait until the future. You live a kingdom-minded, mission-driven life today. But many times we wait. This week I heard the story about this girl. She was amazing and full of potential. She had godly parents. She she was raised in the church. She was a leader in her youth group. and, And she went off to college. And... She joined a sorority and was loving it through her first year, and she was living for the Lord and, and doing all these things. But there came a night that she had been to a few parties, and she finally went to one, and everybody started getting crazy. Everybody's drinking from the keg and doing their thing. And, and she had always said, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in those things. I'm going to honor God. And, but that night, she said, one time won't hurt. How you know one time we start saying that? It's a slippery slope. She had a drink, had too much to drink, and that followed week after week after week after that until she was doing harder stuff. She was doing some drugs and different things, and things went too far with a guy, and they started going too far with many guys, and this Christian, this good Christian girl got tripped up. How many of you have ever been tripped up in your life before? So what happens, she, she lives in that place for a couple of years. Two years later, she finds herself in this dark place. Because she knows she's far from God, and her life is a mess. She's got all this baggage now. She needs all kinds of freedom. And she meets this guy, and she's convinced that he is the one. Good Christian guy, that he's good-looking, he's godly, he's bold, he's a leader in his church, he's a part of a Christian fraternity, he's well-respected, he's moral, he's full of godly character. She begins dreaming of her life with him. But after a couple of years of compromise and going head-on into the party scene, she recognized that her life was a mess. She had acquired a reputation that was quite bad. She was willing to do whatever it took, but she also recognized it was going to take a good while to walk out of the mess that she had walked into. She tried to get close to the guy and realized that he wasn't interested Not that she was just damaged goods or anything like that. Totally could be forgiven and walk out of it. But he was at a point in his life where he was looking for something different. Guys, I told you before, you don't look to live a life of righteousness in the future and base it on a life of sin today, on a foundation of sin. We've got to make the decision now to get our lives in order. You don't wait until the future to get your life on track. If you want a God-honoring, mission-minded Relation, mission-driven relationship in the future, the only way to do that is to live a God-honoring, mission-driven life today. You don't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. Pastor Andy Stanley in Atlanta, he's, he always says, become the person you're looking for is looking for. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. Think about the type of person that you want to marry and become the person that they would want to marry. Begin serving God and go all in in your life, honoring him, living a God-honoring life today. So what do you do? Make your life all about Jesus, walking with Jesus, pursuing Jesus, Jesus being your, this is what trips us up. Jesus has got to be the focus of everything. Everything. It's not about when that guy or that woman or whoever comes. It's not about when the one comes, the one that completes me. No, Jesus is the one. And And we read that last week about running the race and staying focused on him. That's how we are to live our lives, showing his love in the world, him being the center of our will, making a difference in the world. All our life is about. And as you're walking and following Jesus, keeping him as the focus, you know what you might notice along the way? Somebody else is keeping up pace with you. And they got the same passion and drive and zeal for God as you. And they got their eyes focused on Jesus too. You begin to foster that relationship. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. Right? Man, she's pretty. Woo! And eventually you come to the place where you say, you know what? I think we can serve her more effectively together. What do you think? What you think, baby? Link arms? Right? Why do you get married? Uh, Love, happiness, nope. We get married because we can serve Jesus more effectively together and we have a mission to accomplish. What's your goal? To have Jesus at the center, to be kingdom-minded, to be mission-driven, to stand against darkness together and to protect and keep our covenant that we made before God. If you're married, what is your mission? What does your marriage stand for? What is it centered around? Who do you serve? How do you glorify God together in your marriage? How is your marriage glorifying God? Some of you are like, what what are you talking talking about in church? You mean we got to like be greeters on Sunday morning? Maybe you can, yeah, sure. You can be greeters together on Sunday morning. Probably that will include serving the Lord together in church. But even more so, it's so much bigger and broader than that. The church wasn't meant to be contained within the walls of a building. Your life should glorify God everywhere you go. Your marriage should glorify God everywhere that you go. And you've got a mission to accomplish and you do it together. It's about unity. What unifies you? In your marriage, think about it. What unifies you? You know they say that there are two things that always unify human beings. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter who those human beings are. They can be of a completely different background. They can have disdain for each other. But there's two things that will always unify them. A common mission and a common enemy. You ever thought about that? If you have the same vision, the same goal, the same mission, you can come into unity. If you have the same enemy, the same thing that you hate... For instance, I was thinking, if if an enemy suddenly invaded our community, you would stand side by side with somebody that you wouldn't particularly like on any other day. You would stand right beside them to defend your home and your freedom, wouldn't you? Because we're united around mission, a common mission, and a common enemy. And it's so funny, though, because these things unite us. But if you're married, it's, it's really kind of the same thing. What unites you? What do you both commonly love? What do you righteously love? What do you righteously hate? There's things around you, in the world around you, that you go, you know what? That's bad. That's not God honoring. God doesn't like that. And thus, I don't like that. And you stand together in unity over that. And where you see these things come together and unite, this is often an indication where God has called you to come together and make a difference in the world. So I just started making a list. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you love hospitality, and so your thing is to show the love of Jesus by inviting people over. Or maybe you like to make food, and so, so you're all the time cooking food for people who maybe are in need or somebody who lost a loved one or, or whatever it may be. You just, hospitality is y'all's thing, and you do it together. Or maybe, maybe you hate it when people come to church and they feel all alone, and so you, you decide together as a couple, you know what, we're going to start getting to church about 25 minutes early so we can meet folks and make them feel welcome. And we're not going to slip out the door as soon as it's over. We're going to stick around and, and, and make people feel loved. Maybe that's what unifies you. Maybe, maybe you used to be in debt and the two of you worked together and you worked hard and, and you love financial freedom and you hate the idea of ever living paycheck to paycheck again and you want other people to be in that same place. So you get together and you help other people. Maybe you start a class. Maybe you do Financial Peace University. You do something because it's what drives you. It's a passion within you. Maybe you both love kids and you hate that there's kids in the community who don't have a good home and so you decide, you know what, I'm, we're, we're going to become foster parents. And reaching those kids with the love of Jesus. What has God called you to do? What is your mission? You're not together to be happy. You're together to make a difference. Now, trust me, when you're together making a difference, you're going to be happy. But you're not together to be happy. It's not what it's about. God is saying to you, together, He's saying, here is your mission. I was thinking about couples and couples I know that are making a difference together. Actually, the greatest example for me today is is, is Matt and Ashley and Austin and Christina and Chris and Nadia who are out at kids camp in 100-degree weather ministering to our children. How awesome is that? They're together. They're unified in their love and dedication to the kids of this church family. And I love that. They're not here this morning because... They're serving our families in a different way. They desperately want to see our young people serving Jesus and fulfilling their God-given purpose in life. good example I thought of this morning, Charles and Letitia McGee. You always hear their names together, Charles and Letitia. You know, with them, they hate to see the less fortunate struggling. And, you know, they had this common vision of helping expand the outreach ministry of the church here. Before we ever knew that, Sean and I had been praying for somebody to come along and to kind of take the reins, to kind of take some of the load off of us and help create a vision and begin moving forward in that. And they came to us, and that's what the Lord had placed on their heart. And now since last fall, they've done all these things, helped expand things, get things going, rolling hills and everything like that, and they have vision for the future. Also, Charles is, is running the live stream from here in the back office. And you know what? With everybody at camp, he's short-staffed. So Letitia's sitting at the camera right now. Y'all give Letitia a hand and Charles. Guys, I was thinking there's so many that could be mentioned. Actually, I'm excited for what's coming. I'm excited for what the Davises are about to do. I'm, still, I'm not going to spill the beans yet. Drop the mic. Guys, Zach and Angie have been so united. For They have been through incredible stuff together. I mean, some great highs and some low lows. And they've always been two of the most unified people. In a marriage that I have ever seen. And they are about to announce a new vision that you will hear about in the next month or two, month or so. Uh, some new things they're about to do in coordination with Global Ministries and Relief. And you guys, their church family here at Church of the Harvest, and you get to be a part. And I'm excited. They're walking in this together. A couple other people I thought of. I thought of them. Um, Actually many of you know Adrian Jennifer Evans and Adrian Jennifer and they, they they don't live here anymore they moved away but but uh, but they've they've been together through thick and thin for a long time and they over this past year rallied together to provide a place uh, a safe place for kids whose whose parents or caregivers are in crisis and they decided to become foster parents I was thinking about Brad and Rachel Bowie. Some of you know them. They, uh, they work together to run Safe Harbor Rescue Mission, who we support monthly here as a church family. And they, 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 they will tell you, they, they know that because of their life, they serve a God of second chances. And they want to give second chances to others as well. So they work together every day. I, I, I've been in their offices. They work together every day to provide those second and those third and those fourth chances to people, giving them another chance in life. They also have a real heart to see strong God-centered marriages. And so they're always speaking at their church and doing different things, trying to build up godly marriages. I thought of Phil and Sharon Smithhurst. Y'all know they were here a couple of months ago. Phil and Sharon, you never see One of them without the other. Phil and Sharon are always together. They're united under the vision of seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. They will not stop until the nations hear the good news of the saving grace of Jesus. And now they have a world class missions organization, over 200 missionaries all over the world. Both my kids with them right now. Well, Lauren's in Brazil. Aaron's with them uh, right now in Zambia, truly working together as one. Guys, what is your mission? I'm not telling you to go out and start a 501c3. Nonprofit. I, I mean, let the Lord lead you to. God bless you. Most are not going to do that. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I hope you understand that it, it, unity in marriage, <laughs> unity in marriage, it doesn't mean that you're the same. It doesn't mean you're always doing the same thing. It simply means you're truly together in this. Um, in closing, I... Uh, some of y'all know mine and Shauna's story, but you know we, we met together when we were students at Christ for the Nations, and, and, um, and I think if there's anything that's ever really helped our marriage has been the fact that we have been mission-minded, mission-driven since before, well before we were ever married. Um, as a matter of fact, when we started getting closer, we were both on staff in the youth department at Christ for the Nations, and um, we were two of seven staff members who ran a camp. Uh, called Youth for the Nations. The summer of 1995, we hosted 4,000 teenagers we ministered to. By that summer, we started dating. And for the next year, we were dated and engaged pretty quickly. Over the next year, that, for the next year, we, we actually took a youth pastorate. We weren't married, guys. We were engaged. And we became youth pastors in a little church in Arlington, Texas for about a year. We were mission-driven before we were ever married, and that helped us significantly. We got married, continued on. Y'all know we took a youth pastor in Illinois, came back here. Uh, Somehow, Shauna kept getting pregnant. I don't know. That changed our mission a little bit. (laughs) Changed our roles a little bit. Things change, but we stood together, right? Right? In raising the kids, we tried to always be unified. In, in the church, we tried to always be unified. When it came to things in our personal lives, we tried to always be unified. And, guys, here's the thing. We work together on a lot of stuff, but we do a lot of stuff separately. Like I said this morning, I think Shauna has done an outstanding job with the ladies' ministry, the women's ministry. One of the strongest ministries in the church. Awesome. Now, I've never personally had a heart for women's ministry, But what's on her heart is on my heart. So I'm the number one cheerleader right behind her, right? Because we're together. We're each other's top, greatest cheerleaders. We support one another with counsel. We support one another in the things that matter to each of us. We both know that we have each other's backs no matter what. Doesn't mean you have to always be doing the same things. It means you stand together. You walk together. And now, after 26 years of marriage, things are changing again. It's a new season. How many of you saw we renovated Aaron's room this week? He's in Africa for a while. His room is totally redone. It's awesome. It's going to be an office. (laughs) (laughs) Foreshadowing. If our son is still on the live stream, you do have a bed to sleep in. You're good. But the kids were never our foundation. We talked about that last week. They were never our foundation. We're excited for this new season in our life. And Shauna has some new things, some new ideas that she's working on and looking at. And I'm going to support her and be there in this next season in life. And guys, we can't settle for anything less than that. We have to be kingdom-minded and mission-driven. On the same page, walking together, arm in arm, supporting one another. Don't settle for anything less. Don't just share an address. Don't just be roommates. Don't just have somebody that you have a sex life with. Don't just be about the house or the yard or whatever else. Why do you want to be married? Because you can serve Jesus better together than you can by yourself. You recognize it. We must be Christ-centered, kingdom-minded, and mission-driven in everything that we do. In closing, actually, I'll invite the worship team to come on up as I close out. This week, I... Um, As I was doing this, I typed the word united. Many times, actually. I typed the word united. And you know what it came out when I looked at it? It came out untied. And I recognized something. The letter I out of place makes a huge difference. One letter out of place changes united the letter I out of place changes united into untied. Wow. Anytime <laughs> I am not in the right place, anytime I am not surrendered under the Lordship of Jesus, anytime I make this about myself, things are gonna suffer. It's not gonna bring, it's not gonna bring uh, a united relationship, it's gonna bring division. Things are going to come untied because I am out of place. You can't worry about your spouse. Worry about yourself. Being in the right place, being in alignment, focused on Jesus. When I is in the right place, you're united. And you'll stand together because what God wants to unite, the devil wants to divide. And he will go, there are no end to what he'll do to try to divide you. you got to stay on guard. you got to make sure that you stay united. We must be kingdom-minded, mission-driven in our individual lives and in our marriages. If you're not kingdom-minded, mission-driven, it's time to bring things into alignment. Amen. Y'all stand up on your feet. About to close out. kingdom-minded, mission-driven. Are you kingdom-minded and mission-driven in your personal life? Do you recognize that each day has purpose? It's not about the nine-to-five grind, getting home and falling asleep in the recliner and getting up and repeating it again. You have a mission. And if you're married, you have a mission together. What is it? When you said, I do, God said, here's your mission. Have you found that mission? Have you rallied around it? Become unified around it? Let me tell you this, first and foremost, if you haven't surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, <laughs> that's your first step. Y'all bow your heads for just a minute. Guys, God loves you so much that even though Adam and Eve sinned and brought, brought division and, 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 and sin into the world, this curse of sin that you were born into, Jesus came willingly to bring life. And it came at a great cost. He knew that we couldn't dig ourselves out of this mess. We couldn't dig ourselves out of this pit. He knew that we were bankrupt and lost in our sin. We could never repay the debt that we owed. And so Jesus said, I'll go. And he paid the debt. the Bible says he willingly laid down his life so that your debt could be forgiven, that your sin debt could be erased, that you could be made a new creation and you could be washed as white as snow, that your relationship with the Father could be restored. What Adam and Eve lost in the garden, you can get it back in a moment by making a decision to surrender to Jesus and say yes to him. If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you recognize that you're living for yourself. And this is the most important moment in your life. Because the Holy Spirit is drawing you. He's tugging at your heart right now. And he's imploring you to say yes. The Bible says that we repent. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Doesn't matter what you've done what your past looks like, you can be made brand new. And it can happen right now. If that's you, if every head bowed and you would say, if there's anybody in here that would say, I need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, would you just lift your hand real quick and let me see? Anybody in here that'd say, I'm living for myself and I, I truly need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus? Anybody in here, be bold. Okay, anybody else? You may be watching online, guys. The distance doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is right there, just as strong as he is right here with us right now. He's drawing you. And if you say yes to Jesus, if you pray this prayer with me and you mean it with all your heart, the Bible says that you you don't just get some fancy makeover, you become brand new. You become a brand new creation. And, and, And you don't have to wait till eternity to experience heaven. Heaven comes to you. You begin walking with the Father immediately doesn't mean you'll never stumble, but it means he'll be there to pick you back up and say, come on, let's keep going. He'll see you all the way through. All of his promises will be yes and amen in your life. If that's you, I'm just gonna pray a prayer. You can pray along with me. You can pray your own thing. It, the words don't matter quite as so much as the position of your heart. True surrender, true repentance, turning from my sin in my old life and saying, Jesus, I'm gonna live for you to the end. If that's you, just pray something like this. Just say, Heavenly Father, I know that I am bankrupt in my sin. I am lost and alone. I can never repay the debt that I owe. But I thank you for Jesus, who came to pay my debt for me. I repent. I turn from my sin, and I ask you to forgive me. And I choose to follow you, that Jesus come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I believe you died and you rose again. And I will serve you to the end, starting right now. And just tell the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you prayed that prayer. We're going to have prayer partners down in just a moment. I want you to come down. I want you to tell one of them, talk to one of them, and let them know that you made this decision for Jesus. Whether you raise your hand or not, be sure and do that. If you're rolling hills this morning, Mike is there. Tell Mike. Let him know that you made that decision and let him talk to you and pray with you and give you some direction in this. If you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you want to be baptized, man, we will get you baptized. But this is the greatest day of your life, and we rejoice with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come down. Um, I know we've got a lot of prayer partners out today, but uh, they'll be down on the sides, on the other side of each of the base speakers there. If you guys have a prayer need of any kind, if you want to come down for prayer, you can do it now. You can wait till after, but I, I do want us to sing one more worship song together. But guys, even as, before we sing this, I want you to begin to ask yourself, I want you to begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? Where in my life, firstly in my marriage, where am I not united? Where is it that And just ask him, say, Holy Spirit, am am I living a kingdom-minded, mission-driven life? What changes are you asking me to make today? Whether you're married, whether you're single, regardless of your relationship status. Allow him to speak to you and to point out some things in your heart, some changes that you can make so that you can begin to walk with him. Kingdom-minded, mission-driven. Amen? Yeah.